You're listening to The Dollop on the All Things Comedy Network. This is a bilingual American history podcast where each week I, Dave Anthony, read a story from American history to me amigo. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. Uh, We are a bilingual podcast as we uh, are done in Spanish. Uh, El Dalla. Yeah. Not by us. But people who uh, are bilingual uh, say they're very much enjoying our Spanish friends' take on it. Spanish speaking friends. It's strange because you called it a bilingual podcast for a while before that was in motion. So you. Well, if you, I'm a, people don't know this, but I'm a huge, I mean, my whole life is based around the book, The Secret. Yeah. I was going to say. And I feel like if I just put stuff out there, if I put stuff out there, it'll happen. Isn't that right, my nemesis? I'm not your nemesis. Stop saying that one. I just complimented you. Call me your mm-hmm. nemesis. Well, that's you, you. You you bring people in and then you stab them. What? Who who raised bring you? People. You bring people close. Jesus. And then you cut their goddamn throat. You're the only guy who, for sure, should be quarantined for a long time. And then you watch them bleed out on the floor while you laugh your maniacal maniacal little laugh and your cat drinks the blood what is your deal because you are evil incarnate are you talking about me (laughs) (laughs) and called it quote his jam pad jam pad i'm the fucking hippo guy dave okay my name's gary (laughs) my name's gary wait is it for fun and this is not going to become the tickling podcast okay this is like anarchy on a five-part coefficient Now hit him with the puppy. You both present sick arguments. <laughs> no sleep tell hippo. No sleep tell hippo. Action part. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. Rhoda. Rhoda at the court. The 1500s. Whoa, whoa. The Freemason organization formed in England and Scotland. Whoa. Your boys. Okay. (laughs) It was a guild for stone workers. They used secret words and symbols to prove they were legit. Okay. Okay. So it's a way to protect the work from outsiders trying to get into stonework, right? You don't want some new stone. They're hiding their stone secrets in the club, essentially. That's right. They're yeah. They're hiding their stone secrets, and then they be then they know who they can trust. Other stone workers. Okay, right, right, gotcha. Uh, but it wasn't long before the organization became more of a social organization focused on philosophical discussions. Mm-hmm. Soon, many members were not stone cutters at all. They are just bros hanging out. So that's a strange transition when you open it up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but they continued to use the system set up by the stonemasons, using secrecy to help others... Uh, members get work and in society. Right. So they're keeping the secret, like handshakes and the secret whatever's symbols. Right. Keeping it all together. Right. The first official lodge was organized in Scotland in 1599. Oh, man. I can only imagine what a club of psychopaths that was. (laughs) The first Grand Lodge was set up in 1717 in London. 
during a Freemasons meeting at a pub called the Goose and Gridiron. Sure. Yeah, that checks out as a, yep. It's, yeah, it's, got, it's, an, it's uh, got an ampersand, which I believe is what a pub needs. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, always have a, you have a and animal. This is the, uh, yeah, welcome to the log and fire. All you need is an ampersand. Yeah, this is the car and motor. Yeah, all right. Hello, this is the food and ketchup. I think you're doing it wrong because you're putting things together that should be together as opposed to like, this is the hog and boat. <laughs> right, right, right. Right, this is the Coca-Cola and hedgehog. <laughs> That's it. Uh, at the time, there were four lodges in London. Since the organization was <laughs> secret- amazing, by the way, <laughs> to imagine a time when there were four places. <laughs> uh, the, uh, since the organization was, organization was secret, conspiracies about Freemasons started to run wild. Uh, since they were not religious and secret, the Catholic Church was not down with the idea of the Freemasons. The idea. You, know, you don't want another. You don't want another group horning in on your fucking. I business. mean, the idea that the Catholic Church is side eyeing anyone, being like they're shady. Gotta have a. Gotta have control. I mean, that's completely what it is, obviously. But still, the idea that I mean, that's how you know you're onto a good secret society when the Catholic Church is like, excuse me, no. <laughs> what did they say again? No. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's a spicy meatball, huh? Get the you get out of here, huh? You're the worst. Ah, uh, yeah, you like a spicy meatball? Stop up trying to give it a people a meatball. You like it a pasta? Oh my god! <laughs> In 1738, Pope Clement XII issued the Catholic Church's. How does that work with all the twelves and the elevens and the? So that means there had to. There was there been, an echelon, or are they just grabbing it out of thin air? No, it means there had to have been eleven before uh, eleven okay. before him. Jesus they didn't Christ! Just, you can't just go. You can't go from like four to twelve. You got to have a bunch of guys in between. It's just I've never heard of any of the Clements. Oh, they were really big in the early fourteens and stuff. Okay, so, uh, so he issued the church's first decree against Freemasonry, which is still in place today. <laughs> wow, okay. Why why let that go? Yeah. Well, I mean, so far, if it's the Catholic Church and another organization, I, for the most part, will go with the other organization. Pretty much. Uh, still, Freemasonry quickly spread across Europe and into the American colonies. Masonic lodges began popping up in the colonies in the early 1700s, hmm. and they quickly gained power and influence. Mm-hmm. Masons were almost all uh, middle class, upper middle class gentlemen, okay. rich guys, doctors, lawyers, businessmen, guys with influence who could help other guys with influence. You know <laughs> Here we go. Now we're rolling. The first colony uh, Masonic Lodge was formed in Philadelphia in 1730. Wow. Benjamin Franklin was a founding member. Whoa, Benny F. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Former president. That's right. Uh, George Washington was just 21 on August 4th, 1753, when he became a master mason. What is that? What does that mean? It's the highest basic Freeman rank. Okay. Although you can get uh, what are known as, you can go up in degrees. So you get, the, that's the highest rank, but then there's ranks and there's degrees. So you can keep getting more degrees. 
Okay. Yeah. But he's a pretty high up degree for 21. Well, for 21, I mean, he was a super rich dude. So, uh, you know, I can picture Benjamin out. Franklin in the clubhouse walking around without bottoms on a lot. Yeah. Well, you know, I believe wasn't it him that air bathed? What? Is that true? I think, yeah, I think he would air bathe. He liked to just hang. That's what, that's what he called hanging out naked. Air bathing. Yeah. I hope he was mixing it up with other bathing. No. Try it right now. Try to air bathe? Yeah. Sure. Wait a second. I'm not falling for that two weeks in a row. Nice try, Aston. I I also, I, I do have to wonder why when we do this, the camera is pointed at your groin. What? Because it's funny. It's like my dick saying all this stuff. Uh... Uh, so quite a few founding members were Freemasons. It's believed up to 21, uh, guys who signed the declaration of independence were Masons. Uh, this is, see, this is where it starts to get, this is more. Now this is already troubling. <laughs> the, the constitution and bill of rights both appear to have been heavily influenced by Masonic beliefs, uh-huh. such as freedom, free enterprise, and a limited role for the state. <laughs> okay. Wow. I, I believe that we've changed that because now it seems like the state's role is unlimited. Well, it's, it's, it's extremely limited, almost like it doesn't exist. No, no, it's like, no, well, it's kind of a catch-22 if you're a state. Do everything but f- funnel it through with the man who says he's your boss now. <laughs> uh, 13 of the 39 men who signed the Constitution were Masons. Wow. Yeah, that's, a, that's like a third, if I know what numbers are. You do, and that's crazy. Uh, over the years, the Masons became more powerful, particularly in New York State. Uh, DeWitt Clinton became governor of New York in 1825. Okay. He was the grandmaster of the Grand Lodge of New York. Uh, there's too many, like, echelons. So now that's important, obviously. Yeah, he's that's a big... GM. Well, he's actually, he was at the time the highest ranking Mason in the United States. Okay. All right. Okay. One estimate of New York concluded half of publicly held offices were occupied by Masons. Oh my God. Are you scared? I it's uh, I don't want to say anything because I don't want them to not like me. I think it's great. <laughs> William Morgan was born in Culpeper, Virginia, in 1774. He was a bricklayer and a stonecutter before saving enough money to open a store in Richmond. The dream. Okay. Right. Uh, he claimed to have fought in the War of 1812 as a captain, but there are no records of a Captain William Morgan in the militia rolls. Seems like something you'd document, probably. Yeah. Uh, still, he he would uh, call himself Captain Morgan. Hello, I'm Captain oh, Morgan. Why? Oh, my God. I can't believe I missed that one. <laughs> That's crazy. Captain Morgan. That was, that was a huge miss. Uh, uh, in... 1819, he married Lucinda Pendleton. Okay. He was 45 and she was 19. Oh, it's disgusting. Gee, he, you got to oh. be drinking spiced rum to get to that place. Oh, the things you talk about with your 19 year old lover. I can't, I like, I, what the fuck would I say to a 19 year old? Can you imagine that? I, no, I can't imagine just, I just can't imagine talking to one. Uh, it just sounds. <laughs> painful yeah like i'll go yeah like that's that's very 
It's like, yeah, I'll stop talking. Uh, they had two kids in 1821. Well, three, uh, including her. <laughs> In 1821, they moved north to York, Canada. Uh, While living there, he ran a brewery, but then a fire destroyed the building, and Morgan found himself living in poverty. This is where he comes up with the spice drum? Yes. According to author Andrew Burt, he, quote, had moved his family relentlessly throughout the countryside, hauling his wife, Lucinda, and two young children from one failed venture to the next. That's cool. So he was ready to settle down for sure. Yeah. So my man's getting desperate, right? He's going from job to job, place to place, can't put it together. Kids' birthday party? That's That's what I did. uh, He's going to dress up like a clown for kids' birthday parties or Superman or whatever. What was your favorite costume? That I would dress up in Spider-Man. Told you, Evan had said that. Spider-Man. Face covered, yeah. nice thin layer of latex. Yeah. I just forget. I just try to forget that all the time. Sure. Smart. That makes after, sense. after some time, they ended up living in Rochester, New York, and then the town of Batavia. Okay. He went back to his very first skill and worked as a bricklayer and stone cutter. This is where. This is the gateway. Uh, by, at this point, he was a really big drinker and gambler. He had a poor reputation and was not doing great as he wrote, quote, the darkness of my prospects robs my mind and extreme misery, my body. Honey, what are you writing in there? Nothing. Just just word to myself. You said a bunch of it out loud. There are not enough tears for the weeping I must do. Honey? Hmm? Yes. Sorry, did you just say that there were not enough... Tears for the no. I I'm just writing. What are you words. writing? Who are you writing to? Uh, I'm writing in blood into this book. Oh my god! It's called my future book. Jesus Christ! Why does it say the secret on the cover? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to make stuff come true, honey. Okay. Porridge is almost ready. What's that? I said the dinner porridge is almost ready. Our porridge for supper is almost ready. It's pretty much all we're eating. Because you've lost everything. But it's also normal for the time. All right, I'm going to go make a bath in the living room. That seems logical, too. (laughs) Uh, Morgan became friends with David C. Miller, who was the publisher of The Republican Advocate. Okay, It was a paper uh, that was in opposition to Governor... uh, the, the governor and Miller had been publishing the paper for over a decade, but it was just getting by at the time. It was just struggling, you know, struggling paper. Sure. He was always looking for ways to increase circulation. Now, one acquaintance said Miller was a man, quote, of irreligious character, great laxity of moral principle, and of intemperate habits. Okay, so, so uh, Dave, may I translate for those of us who weren't around at that time? This man was what we call cool. <laughs> hey, someone's a good time. Yeah, this man, <laughs> not believing in the religious bullshit and liking to have a good time. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's better. Uh, both Morgan and Miller were down on their luck and uh, scheming to come up with something. 
They also, being from the lower class, resented the Freemasons who represented the establishment class. Here we go. All right. All right. Yeah, now you're fired up. Pants are off. Um, Okay. In 1826, during the summer, the two men came up with a plan to reveal the secrets of the Freemasons in a book. Okay. All right. It's like when you reveal Uh, magician's secrets. Yeah, oh, God, they don't like that. They do not. Yeah. Remember when Fox did oh. a show based on that? Yeah, they lo- the magicians lost their shit. <laughs> yeah, they killed that Poor guy shit. in the hood. Oh, what? You didn't hear about that? No. Yeah, they killed him. They put him in a a, a bin and then put a bunch of swords into it. <laughs> oh. I'm kidding, Dave. He's fine. He's right here. I know. <laughs> Want to know how we did it? No. There's two of them. <laughs> two barrels or two guys? Both. Okay. That doesn't seem like a very good trick. Pick a card. So it's just twins and two barrels? That's right. Everything's based around twins. And then you put knife, you put swords into the barrels and then uh the other guy comes out? No, but what you said's pretty good. Want to walk us through it? <laughs> no, I'm good. Okay. Author A.P. Bentley wrote, quote, entered into partnership to print a book which the public was to be told disclosed the secrets of masonry in hopes to make a fortune out of the gaping curiosity of the vulgar. Okay. Well, that's an mm-hmm. interesting demographic, but all right. Uh, in the August edition of his newspaper, Miller teased the coming book. He wrote that he had learned of, quote, the strongest of rottenness. And together with his anonymous colleague, they were working to, quote, an act of justice to ourselves and to the public. Okay. So they're going to make things right again. Yeah. it's uh, It seems like a strange thing to, pr- it seems to me like a smarter angle would be to just release your book and then, then plug it. <sighs> It's a teaser. Yeah, I get that. But it's also like you're teasing, you know, I'm going to, again, compare them to magicians. Don't fuck with them. It would be written by his secret colleague, and then Miller said he would publish it. The book would detail Masonic rituals and their criminality in public offices. (laughs) His collaborator was said to be deep undercover in the Masonic world. Now, there's different versions of what happened. Author Andrew Bart, uh, Bert says Morgan had tricked some Masons into believing that he was a Mason. I'm one and of they you gave him, Let's uh, all talk about our secrets together. Uh, uh, Why don't we go what? left to right? You start. No. Interesting. Let me write that down. No. Why are you writing? There's no hmm. writing. Uh, we don't... Uh, you know we don't write in the lodge. I'm kidding. <laughs> You're on my new Mason prank uh, theater. It's not a show. It's theater. Theater? Yeah, that's around, I'm isn't on, it? I'm on your theater? You're on my prank theater. Uh, prank theater? Why yeah. do you keep going, eh, like you don't believe that what you've said is no, good? No, no, it's prank theater. It's uh, It's a traveling prank show. Oh, boy. It's a traveling prank show yeah. theater. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Oh boy. 
You, uh, what? I think you're next, Barry. No, I'm listening to you. No, I'm listening to you. Let me write that down. It's why are you writing? Oh, Jesus Christ! I can't do this again. <laughs> uh, so uh, Andrew Bert, Bart says uh, Andrew Bert says that they they gave him access to a lodge and then he watches ceremonies and uh, take notes. Edward Ellis claimed Morgan had been made a master mason when he lived in Canada and went to a lodge for a short time when he lived in Rochester. While Robert Morris said that Morgan had received the Royal Arch degree at Leroy's Western Star Chamber Lodge Number Thirty Three. Wow! Yeah. I mean, did he get a diploma? And did he tell his parents? Oh my God! Which lodge? Which Star Lodge? Western Star. Oh my God! You got Western Star. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. Thank oh, you, mommy. You're amazing. Uh, and there he had swore under oath that he had received uh, six degrees that came before his, obviously, Royal Arch degree. You knew that. Right. No one knows Royal for Arch. sure. Uh, no one knows for sure which story it is because none of it can be really be verified. Okay. Well, uh, we do know Morgan tried to join lodges around Batavia, but was rejected. The Masons either did not think much of him or they questioned his Mason membership. Okay. So he's going there saying he is a Mason. Yeah. Uh, so after Miller writes about the book teaser, the Masons start to freak out. Yeah, of course. Mason, uh, Masons in surrounding counties began to become increasingly concerned about the revelations that were coming. Right. One Mason, one it's Mason. It's funny that they used to be like stone Masons, <laughs> and now they're like, our book of secrets. <laughs> Like, it used to just be like, yeah, and then we're thinking of maybe just some more flatter rocks over here. Like, okay, all right, we got that, we got that. And now it's just like, they're going to release our secrets. It's a little, it's just a slight change. Yeah, but it's just like finding out plumbers run the world. Well, they do. In a way. Uh, one Mason at the time, quote, I never saw men so excited in my life. The oh. Masons quickly put together investigation committees. Oh, dear. Quote, everything went forward in kind of a frenzy. So they're just like student council before prom. Basically. Right. The Masons somehow learned it was Morgan, and they began harassing Miller and Morgan. Okay. The Masons put an ad in the local paper. Quote, if a man calling himself William Morgan should intrude himself upon the community, they should be on their guard, particularly the Masonic fraternity. Any information in relation to Morgan can be obtained by calling at the Masonic Hall in this village. Morgan is considered a swindler and a dangerous man. There are people in this lodge who would be glad to see this Captain Morgan. Kenan de Guay, August 9th. 1826. Who wrote that? Canon de Gois? No, Canon de Gois is a town. Okay. Otherwise, I'm a French attorney. Canon de Gois. Both Miller and Morgan were prosecuted for petty debts. Morgan was arrested by three Masons. Um, arrested by Masons? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that seems that's a gray area. I would like to say it's a gray area, but there's a guy who, uh, an environmental uh, activist lawyer, who was just prosecuted in New York 
uh, by a private company, and now he's on house arrest. So oh, things are looking up. Shit. Uh, <laughs> God damn. Uh, so the local sheriff goes along with it and he put Morgan in jail. Morgan's friends. <laughs> hey, sheriff, we got a criminal to pitch to you. All right. I'm okay. Go ahead. Well, this guy's a real asshole. He's been going around and he's been telling everyone that we got a bunch of secrets. So, um, we've, we kind of arrested him already. We, we know that's your thing, but we just kind of arrested him already. So we, we was shut up, Doug. We was wondering if, um, would you, um, would you put him in jail for us, please? Please? Yeah, sure. You guys are nice. Thanks, like man. You guys. Thank you, man. Yeah. You want me to uh, work him over a little bit? or? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Work electric, him over. Electric shocks. You want to burn him with candles? I can pop his eyes out with a spoon. Let's, let's not get too crazy early. Maybe just kind of burn him with the candle unless he's into it. Then maybe shock him. All right. And in return, I just need a couple of secrets. Yeah, well, sheriff, like we said last time, that's the part of the part of the deal is that uh, you know you got to be in the club, and you know. So, all right, you want to know one? Uh, you want to know one? Yeah, I do. The guy in the other barrel was his twin brother. All right, thank what? you, sheriff. See what? you later, buddy. My God, I wondered how that trick worked. Thank you, bud. Uh, so I put him in jail. Morgan's friends come to try to bail him out, but they can't find the sheriff or the jailer. They can't find. Uh huh. Uh, so a constable then performed an illegal search of Morgan's apartment while Lucinda was there. Hmm. The constable was looking for the book manuscript. Oh, wow. Jesus Christ. All right. I'm the constable. Where's the book of secrets that misses? Got to be around here somewhere. Well, I'll just have a dig around here then. All right. All we've got is a Hobbit recipe book. Yeah, likely story. I'd like to have a look at this Hobbit recipe book at some point, but first of all, let me just go over here and have a look. Uh, Looksy, looksy, looksy. Right. Now, it's Hobbit cookbook. That's right. That's a Hobbit cookbook. It's been handed down for centuries. Is it a cookbook to cook for hobbits or to cook hobbits? It's to cook hobbits. <laughs> That's absolutely twisted. What well, I thought it might be. Right. The meat well, really just slides off the bone. The hobbit meat, you mean? Meat. The hobbit meat. Hobbit meat. <laughs> you seem quite unwell, ma'am. Are you all right? <laughs> I've got a bit of a fever. Yeah, you all laid down. It'd be very odd. I feel dank. Did you eat any of a hobbit? Yeah, I have four hobbits. <laughs> right, ma'am. I think you've poisoned yourself with hobbit goulash is what I think's happened. I mostly just ate the feet. Miss. Uh, good Lord. Right, I'm going to have a quick look around. <laughs> Sorry? You've got to shave the feet. Guys. Absolutely vile, that is. Right, just have a look. God almighty, all right. hairy. All right, well, I'll be back with backup. Right. Oh, my God, you look melted. Goodbye, Governor. Of course. Uh, So after a while, Morgan's friends were finally able to uh, get him out of jail. Mm -hmm. 
And then men who were not uh, from the area started appearing in towns all over Ontario County. Hmm. Undercover humans? Undercover humans. This started spooking the locals. One man came and offered to be Miller's new business partner. He said he would buy new printing machines and this guy is whatever. laying it on this guy's laying it on far too thick early. And whatever was needed to print the book. I mean, that's not how you do it. Hello, I would like to be your business partner and give you money to print a book. Sorry, are you talking to me? Yes. Hello, I would like to give you lots of money to help you make a book. I'm not uh, in the bookmaking business, sir, so thank you very much, though. Appreciate it. Oh, I thought maybe you enjoyed uh, making books. Why would you think, just looking at me, that I like to make books? What about me says that? I, I, this is how I introduce myself to people. Hello. To everybody? Yes. I'm looking to make books in the world. All right. Well, you found a guy who doesn't want to make a book, so maybe move on with your little pitch, okay? Uh, well, I just thought, are you sure you don't want to make Everybody wants now, to Let make me a ask book. you this. Do you do this with everybody? Everybody yeah, you yeah. introduce yourself to, do you do the pushback book talk? Yes, I am very aggressive about book making. I don't want to make a book. I'm good. Everybody should make a book. I have no interest in recipes, making any books. Recipes, hobby I have... making, or, book, or even, sir, I don't what, know, the what? Freemasons. Excuse me? Sir, look I, look, I will say this. Whoever sent you underprepared you. What? Nobody sent me. I'm here on my own. You're I, a mason. I, You've done a terrible undercover no. job. No. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> my name is Mason Jenkins, if that's what you mean. I'm, my first name is Mason. My middle name is Free. My, se- my last why, name why, is why, Jenkins. Why didn't you say any of that up top? What, who has an introduction where they don't say their name and just ask someone if they want to make a book with them? <laughs> oh, would you like to make a book? Uh, okay. No. Nope. Uh, excuse me. Excuse me. It turned out this guy was actually a mason who had been sent to find everything he could about the book. What? Who knew? Wow. On September 8th. Terrible undercover work. How did it go? It's not not, not great. Uh, What did you ask him? Well, I got, I was very, the whole walk there, I was prepping myself. And then the second I walked in, I just, it came out and I just, I didn't say anything. I just said, hey, let's make a book together, buddy. And it just came out. And then he was suspicious from there. And then I told him all of our secrets. Here, take this sword. Put it through my head. I deserve it. On September 8th, a group of Masons were drinking in a tavern when they decided to attack Miller's office. Okay. So different, different planning. Drunk planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, they broke into the print shop, but there they found something they had not expected. Miller was waiting, and he had a group of men with him. They were all armed and ready to battle. Oh, shit. The Masons. You know what you say? Out. You know what you say when that happens? Extra, extra. Real like it's a newspaper bad. headline. You know what I mean? Like, no, I got it. Yeah. Or you do a badass line like that. Mm-hmm. Sorry, guys. I think you're going to be below the fold. Something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> or no, you do this. You do this. Hey, hey, Bill, get the printer ready. We got to make longer obituary pages. That's you know what I mean? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Or do this, or you do this, or you do this. Mm-hmm. Hey, Bill, yeah. get ready for the personal ads. I've got a match. 
my shotgun, this dickhead's face. Mm-hmm. It's a longer one, but it's still good. <laughs> or you could do this one. You could do this. Hey, Bill, fire up the printing press. I've got a new comic strip to make. And this one's not funny. It's just a murder. Um, that one drifted. All right. Well, can I do one more? Uh-huh. Hey, Bill, get the, get the printer. Go, get the goddamn printing press ready. God damn it, would you? I've got to make an addition to the editorial page. In my opinion, which does not <laughs> the publication that I work for, this guy's a bag of shit and needs to go. All right, that was good. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so the Masons backed out, and then two nights later, the print shop caught on fire. What happened? Do they luckily, have any idea? The Smoking. No. Uh, luckily, the fire was seen uh, quickly by a group of teamsters who went in and put it out before there was serious damage. All throughout the print shop, they found cotton balls that had been soaked in turpentine. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, what, yeah, what do you think? What natural occurrence done. brought that? Uh, a lot of times uh, at New York back then, uh, cotton balls would fly around. Uh, and they were mostly uh, turpentine cotton balls. Ah, uh, it's a natural phenomenon like the Northern Lights. Oh, <laughs> I, which I find fascinating. Miller was adamant that the Masons were behind the fire. The next day, six Masons came to Morgan's house with an arrest warrant. Wow. It had been obtained by the Master of the Freemasons of Canon de Gua Lodge. Morgan was charged with petty larceny. But see, this is why you don't make an announcement in the paper that you're going to release a Mason book. You release your Mason book. Okay, you were right about that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Mason had borrowed a shirt and tie from a tavern owner and forgotten to return them. uh, Sorry, Morgan had. Uh, I was like, for a second, I was like, wait, which fucking guy? Is that guy originally (laughs) from the bar actually named Mason? Okay, so Morgan, Uh, Morgan, Morgan what? Morgan had borrowed a shirt and tie from a tavern owner, and then he forgot to return them to the guy. So that's what they were charging him. They were charging him with theft. Right, right. Theft of the upper half of an outfit. (laughs) Uh, He was taken to jail, but he he wasn't really too concerned. He thought if he explained that he'd just forgotten to return the shirt and tie, it would all be fine. Mm -hmm. And when he got in front of the judge, the judge totally agreed, and the judge let him go. As soon as he walked out, he was arrested once again. For leaving the courthouse. This, this time for a debt of $2.65. Oh, boy. Which would be about 70 bucks today. About 70 Wow, bucks. Jesus. Uh, these charges were not dismissed, and Morgan was now kept in jail overnight. And with Morgan in jail, the Freemasons focused on Miller. Seventy armed masons gathered in a local tavern. Okay, that's and, uh, uh, now. That's an army. That's that's, that's a militia. Yeah, I mean that's certainly a that's a that's a, not a good number. That's a worrying not. number. At the same time, a constable from the town of Leroy arrested Miller for stealing thirty dollars from his partner. I assume a business partner. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh, Miller was taken to Stafford, held in a lodge, in a Mason's lodge. That, that's so, that's, I mean, I, I honestly, like, for what you just said, I guess it's not crazy, but that's so crazy. Yeah, no, it's insane. Uh, 
uh, he was also denied a lawyer. Okay, so <laughs> so this is before Miranda had the rights. That's right. Uh, you have Miller the right asked, to stay in one of our lodges. That is the end of your rights. Uh, is that where you guys keep the secrets? <laughs> nice try, dickhole. Miller asked to go in front of a local judge, and after some time, the Masons finally allowed it. The judge ruled that the issue was a civil one and not a criminal one. Miller's Did the judge say anything to the Masons about not... <laughs> Also, no, hey, they, can you no, guys I, quit doing this? Could you <laughs> not, not jail how it works. people in your lodge? Yeah, that's not how this works. That's not a jail. That's your lodge. Uh, Miller's partner, whoever he was, did not show up to court, so the charges were dropped. And as Miller walked out of the building, the same constable who had arrested him tried to arrest him again on the exact same charge. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, right, they're really not we'll going down again. Same thing. <laughs> Same infraction. One more time. That's not, that's not how it works. It's called the Twicket. No, it's not called the Twicket. That's it's not a word. The Twicket. First one's on you. Second one's on me. Twicket. All right. You're uh-huh. under arrest, you are. No. Oi, can I ask you a question? Yeah. The uh, woman who lives with you. Mm-hmm. Lucinda, my wife. Yeah. She really... Uh, she really cook hobbits. Oh, yeah. She loves hobbits. We have one a week at least. It's just catching the little guys. You got to go down to the Shire. You got to set traps. It's a whole deal. But uh, That was far-fetched, but all right. You're under arrest. No, no. The skin really falls off the uh, foot. Uh, you're under arrest? Mm-hmm. No, I'm not doing that. Oh, all right. Have a good day. Oh, but oh, but this is the wrong guy. That's This is Miller who's getting arrested. Oh, all right. I'll talk to his wife. Uh, <laughs> but when they tried to arrest him for the exact same charge, uh, his his friends were there and they stopped it and he was able to leave. Okay. Now, the next day, a Freemason named Lawton Lawson arrived at the jail to pay Morgan's debts and fines to get him out. No. If I'm him, I say, I want to stay. I don't want this man to pay my fees. <laughs> That's just, that is the shadiest shit in the world if you're in jail and someone you've never seen before is like, hello, I've bailed you out. Come with me. I'd be like, I do not, no, I like my chances on the inside better. Absolutely not. Morgan seemed to think something was up, so he asked if he could wait until the next morning because he was already undressed. No. Now, that's a lot of bad excuses. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of tired and I'm naked. Can we not do it? I mean, imagine turning down, leaving jail. I'm kind of set for the night. I'd rather stay here. All my stuff. Yeah, my, my pantalones are off. So it's all right. Uh, Just come with me. I'm your owner now. Uh, Lawson was not giving up. He really wanted to get him out of jail, but he couldn't find the jailer. So with two other mates, kind of jail was they, this? You could just leave. Yeah, apparently there was a, okay. Uh, with two other masons, he went to the jailer's wife and badgered her until she agreed to let Morgan out. What kind? What we've all seen? I, I, we've seen I'm trying to picture what a jail looks like. It just went from a jail to a house. All right. I mean, well, what, why don't we go upstairs and ask the wife? Honestly, it's a small town. It might have just been a room in a house that with a you know jail door on it. Look, I don't know. Okay, either way. Uh, 
As they took him away, the jailer's wife went to the door and heard Morgan yelling, Murder! She saw Morgan struggling with Lawson and another man, and then they took him and pushed him into a carriage. Now, at this point, was she like, I did a good job. That seems fine. I did. I let a man go free. Oh, honey, some guys came by, and they asked to let the guy in jail out, and I let him out, and... He yelled, murder, 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 all the way into a carriage. They're going to kill him. They pushed him in, and then the carriage took off. But I think he's fine. He's not fine. They will kill him. That man will die. No. They seem to know him. So. Honey. Anyway, do you want Hobbit? Uh, I want to chastise you so bad right now because you screwed me so bad on this. Mm -hmm. But Yes. But give me yeah, some of those smoked one. little dumpling toes. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, this one's off the bone already. Yeah. Uh, so another woman saw also and verified the jailer wife's account. The carriage drivers, they put him in a carriage. The carriage just takes off. The carriage driver would later say he did not know who had hired him and that he drove them all to Rochester. Morgan was never seen again. What? His disappearance and the connection to Freemasons uh, spread quickly throughout New York. And as the story went from county to county, town to town, the retelling of the kidnapping became more and more brutal. The it's pretty powerful, brutal already. Yeah. The powerful and secretive Masons quickly became the example of everything that was wrong with America. And newspapers started running with the story. Okay. <laughs> the Freemasons came out and said nothing had happened to Morgan. They said he had been paid for being, quote, voluntarily abducted. Yes, yes, Dave, for God's sake. Is that, uh, that does not piece together as an actual thing. Voluntary, uh, voluntary it, abduction is not a thing. Hello, I went to bad excuse school. Uh, did you have? I mean, that's crazy. They had time. Uh, yeah, they had time. They said that they paid him five dollars, five hundred dollars, and he it was like role playing. Uh, it was cosplay. went to live in, He went to live in Canada. Yeah. Okay. Let me, guys. Let me for the last time. Do you need me to bottom line what happened? This guy had an abduction fantasy and wanted to be Canadian. And for a fee of five dollars, the sweet, kind, sensitive Masons took care of it. Okay. We are fantasy makers. We are dream makers. That's what we're doing. Now, does anyone else have a wild fantasy? Like, maybe they want to be murdered or have all their possessions taken or lose a tongue. We're here. Wanna, we are dream I makers. Wanna, <clears throat> I want to kill a hobbit with a bunch of bros. All right. You have been asked to leave 15 different times. This is the last time. What? We are not hunting hobbits with you. What? This is, no, the, you are looking for a completely different meeting. It is not here. You have a hobbit habit, and it's out of control. I just want to. I just want to watch one die, buddy. Stop talking for a little while. We all want to watch one die, but some of us move on with our lives. You said you were dream makers. Look, how about this? How about we take you on a ride and we drown you for four fifty? Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh, they said there was zero evidence of of. Any wrongdoing, and they also like to There's point also out zero evidence of no wrongdoing. 
And they also like to point out that someone believed they had seen Morgan in Smyrna in Asia Minor and other places in the world after the kidnapping. So he obviously was traveling. So he's just become like Elf on a Shelf for these guys now. That's right. <laughs> like they're like you know, oh. it's like it's Santa the night before Christmas. Well, we got reports that he's over China right now. Uh, Miller published the book Illustrations in Masonry, as they had planned to do with Morgan, right? He wrote a searing introduction, quote, in the absence of the author who was kidnapped and carried away from the village of Batavia on the 11th day of September, 1826, by a number of Freemasons. The book quickly became a bestseller. Wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So Quite an now, intro to my friend who was most likely murdered by the Masons. And also, Sheila, you have been my rock. <laughs> so now the story became known as the Morgan Affair. Okay. Uh, the people began demanding an investigation. And on September 26th, the meeting was held before a judge to discuss whether or not Morgan had been abducted as well as the fire at Miller's office. Okay. Right, the cotton ball fire. Uh-huh. But it was also about calming everyone down. People were starting to freak out. Miller and Morgan had both been dragged away legally, so the law looked corrupt. If it could happen to these two men, who was next? Was anyone safe? The public became more and more afraid the more they learned. Yeah, that's <laughs> logical. Reasonable. Yep. Uh, a committee was formed to investigate. The committee asked the governor for help, and Governor Clinton, a Mason, responded with, nope. There it is. There it is. He told them to do it through the local magistrate. This kicked off conspiracy theories. Governor Freemason was covering up the crime. Right. And, of course, there were, uh, for sure, Masons trying to thwart the investigation because they had committed the crime. And also, on top of that, you had the widow, right? So on top of all the other right. stuff that makes it a sensational story, you've got the widow and her, and her two children. So it's just making people angrier and angrier. Guys, for the last time, your dad moved to Canada. He had a dream, okay? I don't know how many times i got to tell you guys this. Everybody's so gloom and doom. Your dad's probably right up there mooseback right now, you know what I mean? Hanging out, drinking a nice lager beer with a little maple syrup while he's got a maple leaf on the back of his jacket. Your dad didn't die, guys. Your dad dreamed of Canada. And we took him there. Why are you sad? It's not sad. Your dad got to go live his dream. He's probably a Mountie. Huh? He's probably in a log cabin somewhere. Watching the, the CBC or whatever the hell they have. You know what I mean? He's probably up there right now. He's probably learning some French and having a, you know, whatever local dish they love there. He's probably having one of those. I'll tell you the whole ride up. All your dad did was talk about Canada, how excited he was to get there and see the snow and uh, be Canadian and end some sentences with A. And get 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 so just get so drunk and and he was so excited and he loved you guys but he fucking loved Canada he loved Canada so much he said and he that's never what he said wanted, huh he said he never wanted to see hockey night in Canada 
He said he never wanted to see Hockey Night in Canada. Well, let me tell you this, guys. I'll be honest. I bet your dad was probably putting the buffers in for this story for years, trying to come up with ways that you guys wouldn't feel guilty because you shouldn't feel guilty. This is not a matter of your father not loving his family, but your father, who's very much alive, might point out, not loving his family. This is about a man who loves Canada. He just loves the. He loves it's America's hat. He loves it. He never said anything about. That's Canada what ever. makes it so uh, logical. That's why it makes so much sense. Why what? would he tell you this if he's eventually going to go there? He doesn't want you to find him. He's probably going to. Uh, he already told me he was going to change his name to Elvis Dubacle and move up there, and that's what he did. So you guys, he wouldn't have told you that. That that actually helps what I'm saying. What you said that helps what I'm saying. Okay. So I'm your dad what? now. I'm your dad now. What? I'm no. your dad now. Okay? No. Yes, I'm your dad. Get on my shoulders. Both of you. No. I'm gonna, come on. I'm going to no. carry like boards. What? Come on. I'm your You're daddy. You're fucking 17 now. How long have I been talking? <laughs> like a long time. Holy what shit, my. Like, I almost killed myself. Holy in the middle shit. of it, it was you were so six eternal. when we started. You were six when we yeah. started, right? Yeah, it was lo- it was long. Oh, it was a bummer. Shit. It was a bummer. I don't even know. I don't even care about my dad. Anymore. I just I talked about Canada for eleven years. Yeah, that's Holy how it felt. Shit, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, I just have like two more years to go, and then I'll let you guys go. So, so the deal with your dad. Uh, so all these kidnappings are. Uh, uh, sorry, all these committees are being formed uh, to to stop the fear. Wait, where were we? Uh, it was, well, the two children, right? Wasn't there something about that? Yeah, trying to find it. Oh, yeah. Uh, other counties uh, in the area created their own investigation committees. So it's not just the main investigation committees. Now other counties are making them. Right, which uh, has to make the Masons a little wary. There must be a yeah, little word at this point. And none of them are asking government authorities for help because they didn't think the government authorities could be trusted. The Masons, none of the Masons are asking the government authorities for no. help because. <laughs> no, these are investigative committees made by the people. Right, right. Okay. And so the, the people are like, no government authorities. You know, they walked in a couple of times to those like, like committees and were like flashing like some, some Mason symbols. And some guys like, sorry, are you pointing at me? No, no. Him, maybe. You would do, 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 do. Are you. Do, do. Uh, you one of those? Huh? Yeah. Did you do the cut, cut? Yeah, thumb triangle. Up, thumb up, cut, cut, stomach. triangle. Um, so it's basically a people's investigation. The first committee had been created to quiet rising fear, but instead the communities just, the committees just kept making everything worse. They traveled around upstate New York and with them went the story of Morgan's kidnapping. And it was like a traveling rumor. So these committees are going out to investigate and the whole reason they were started was to calm people down. Right. But they're just firing people up. Right. right. People who had people who had read about it in papers and didn't believe it were now hearing witnesses talk about it, and the facts became more and more sensationalized. So they they what? went on a tour. They went on a calming tour. I mean, this sounds a little like Tom Perez and Bernie Sanders unity tour. They went on a calming. <laughs> they went on a calming tour where they just gave more uh, volume to witnesses and that of course is not going to assuage any of the fears of anybody like wait i didn't know that part oh you didn't know that part sorry we thought you knew that part 
All the facts became more and more sensationalized. One rumor was that Morgan was kidnapped and then killed in a Masonic ritual. His throat was sliced from ear to ear and his tongue cut out. Jesus. Now, the Masons aren't helping themselves. One ex-member of the state legislature said, quote, if they are publishing true secrets of Masonry, we should not think the lives of half a dozen men, such as Morgan and Miller, of any consequence in suppressing the work. So it's okay to kill them if they're letting out Mason secrets. Wow. <laughs> a Mason I mean, judge. Whoopsies. <laughs> a Mason judge in Genesee County said, quote, Whatever Morgan's fate might have been, he deserved it. He had forfeited his life. That's right. We find him not Mason. Derp, not get, whoop. <laughs> I'm not a Mason. Oh, dear. There it is. Uh, uh, so anyone like the, pub- the moonshine from my club jar? Mason jar. Whoopsies. That shouldn't have happened. That's crazy. I keep saying Mason. My God. Let me go, Mason. <laughs> I'm not one of them. Ugh, I'm going to absolutely stop. I'm going to cut my tongue out of my own head like we did to that. Whoopsie daisy. Not we. Not even something that happened. I'm not a Mason. I never have been. All right. I'm one. I am one. I've been one for a while. Thank you, everybody. I'm going to jump out the window. Thank you. So... So obviously they're not helping themselves with their public statements. In October, the Masons who tried to imprison Miller were charged with rioting and assault. In uh, in November, four more were indicted for conspiring to take Morgan from his jail cell and then for actually kidnapping him later. Teams of lawyers paid for by Masonic lodges defended uh, the Masons. The governor also sent the attorney general. The first witness at the trial was Miller, but he didn't show up. I wonder why. He later said he forgot. And he had some business to deal with. And he didn't have money to travel. Uh Uh-huh. And he liked living. (laughs) So a lot of people quickly concluded he had been bribed or blackmailed. The next day, three defendants changed their pleas to guilty for abducting Morgan from his jail cell. Mm. They all said they had no idea where he'd been taken, just that they put him in the carriage. And then that, that kills the whole trial. Okay. So even though there's other guys on trial, once three guys have, have, uh, have pleaded guilty to putting him in the carriage, since that's all that was there. Then then there's no point in furthering the investigation. Yeah. So, uh, which makes total sense. And everyone wanted to hear the revelations about the Freemasons. That's why they were all paying attention to the trial. But now that's gone. Right. The judge's sentencing statement riled people up. He said the outraged public was about the spirit of the nation and that the public was now vigilant. The people had enforced the laws and they would protect American values. Oh, the God, the 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 placation that takes that they are comfortable with giving is insane. Well, but I think what matters here is that justice was served because the people now believe in justice. All right. Don't make me be the only one clapping here, gang. Come on. Somebody else join in. That was pretty prophetic what I just said. We've all learned a lot. Uh, This all tapped into something. Industrialization was rapidly changing society. Immigration and population booms were doing the same. The more industrialization that was going on in a town, the more they reacted to the anti-Masonic fervor. People were looking for something to be mad at, and the Masons became the focal point and the most evil thing in America. Now, the conspiracy people are going crazy. Uh, The judge gave all these guys light sentences, 
and the others, uh, others just got off. And it now looked like the entire thing was being covered up by the New York legal system. Rumors spread that a Mason and public official in Niagara County had packed juries with Masons. So with the kidnapping and murder, followed by the anger about the failure of the judicial system, this began an official anti-Masonic movement. Anti-Masons were about uh, against secrecy and the manipulation of the law while promoting liberty and Christianity. They believed that the Masons were so powerful that they could manipulate the judicial, legislative, and executive branches that American democracy was a joke. They wanted all Freemasons out of government. Wow. It had become, and so it's now become a political panic. Besides industrialized areas, anti-Masons also were big with upper middle class elites. 80% of anti-Mason committee and candidates were from the professional class. Lawyers made up a majority. So these were the people who joined because their idea of what America was, was becoming threatened. An anti-Masonic political party was formed. The towns of... And what's your policy? Fucking Masons. We hate them. Just want to get rid of them. Just want to get rid of them. Get them out. That's it. That's all we need. Then it'll be fine. Yeah. The towns of Batavia, Bethany, and Stafford got together and agreed to, quote, withhold their support at elections from all such men of the Masonic fraternity. And then the people of Seneca joined, and then others. Newspapers run by Masons became a target. Pembroke and Alexander met and passed a resolution to, quote, discourage the circulation of any paper that had not covered the Morgan affair accurately. (laughs) So they started a newspaper boycott over, I guess, fake news. Wow. God damn. The boycott spread at towns all over upstate New York. And then a leader rose up. His name was Thurlow Weed. Wow. What? (laughs) I think that's a strain. Uh, he was a newspaper man. He was 38. He had no formal education, but he was very good at politics. He had been on the uh, first investigative committee in Rochester. And now being a journalist, he knew how to help push the party. He founded the Anti-Masonic Inquirer in Rochester. <laughs> Got to have like an, anti-Masonic, an anti-Masonic paper. Uh-huh, yeah. This suit became the biggest anti-Masonic paper in the country. And it was constantly pumping out anti-Masonic writings that made their way across uh, the entire country. He sold papers with the Morgan kidnapping mystery, the populist politics and outrage. He was helped by all the trials that were happening between October 26 and 1831. Altogether, 20 investigations and 18 trials with 39 Freemason defendants. Wow. So we kept the anti-Masons up to date with the latest. He began recruiting anti-Masonic candidates to run in local elections. Okay. This guy. By the time 1827 rolled around, the anti-Masonic party elected 15 people to the New York legislature. Wow. Three times more than the president's party. <laughs> Uh, so why? Okay. After a long fight, the New York governor gave in to anti-Masons demands to form a special legislative committee to investigate the Morgan affair. Wow. <laughs> Holy shit. 
then the trial of Niagara County Sheriff Eli Bruce came. Bruce was a Mason, and he had no he had to have known about the kidnappings as it uh, as it was known that they traveled through his county with uh, Morgan with Morgan. He had taken and he had taken the fifth in previous trials. Mm-hmm. So when he was called as a witness, he kept taking the fifth. I love that. the f- I can't believe the fifth has been around that long. That feels yeah, so 20th century. I'm sure we'll get rid of it. Good. Uh, the governor of New York had uh, said publicly, Bruce was, quote, a participant in said abduction. So this is a big trial. This is like a, the sheriff is like, you know, he's, he's the law. He's uh, a big name. Right. It's a big deal. He was the perfect symbol of how evil and dangerous Freemasons were. He was on trial for conspiracy, but to prove that, they needed to prove the kidnapping, which they had not done yet. Okay, here so we they go couldn't again. they couldn't disprove the Freemason story that they gave him right. money and he moved. Right, right, right. The, the yeah, only which, thing which seems had, fair. That seems fair. The only thing they had proved was that he had been forcibly taken from the jail to the carriage. But that's it uh, on a mission of dreams. <laughs> So investigators knew Morgan had been imprisoned at Fort Niagara across the border from Canada. And then they learned a soldier had watched over Morgan while he was there and fed him. And the soldier was not a Mason. Oh boy. Flaw. His name was Alicia Adams. He was elderly. Are you waiting for me to have a laugh? Yeah. He was elderly and handicapped. But now Adams was missing. And then we got a tip that Adams was hiding out in a cabin in Vermont. So he went to the cabin at midnight with a local sheriff, hoping to By the way, great, what, a, what a great time to show up, right? Perfect for a man who's elderly, disabled, probably going to be a little, get, you know, show up at midnight. Really rouse him. Well, they're trying to surprise him. But when they went there, Adams just was like, hey, I was expecting you guys. Uh, and he said he testified no problem. <laughs> okay, that's even, that's even crazier. Come on, now, Abe, the trip open. Back, <laughs> now, the trip back would take three days. And over that time, Adams told Weed what he had seen. Morgan had been held in the armory at the fort and continued yelling for help. One night, four Masons came and took Morgan out on a boat and then came back without him. Hmm. So the Masons, an island. The Masons then all split, yeah, there's an island. The Masons then all split up and went their separate ways. All right, good murder. And, See you guys later. This, this would obviously blow everything wide open. And then when they put Adams on the witness stand, he said nothing. He denied knowing anything about Morgan. Oh boy. Yeah. They fucking got to him. Yeah, I mean you've got but you've got to keep an eye on that guy. You really do. Yeah, completely. Uh, still Bruce was convicted of abduction and again, given a light sentence. The anti-Masons were now furious. Anti-Masonic papers wrote about the injustice, but it worked out great for the party. People had followed the trial and they were outraged. It was the perfect marketing tool for the anti-Masons and the anti-Masonic party quickly became a national party. There we go. There we go. President Adams said weed, uh, President Adams made weed his campaign manager in Western New York. 
The president was now officially aligned with the anti-Mason party. By the way, if I were to run, I would also make weed my campaign manager. (laughs) Uh, Adams stated, quote, I am not, never was, and shall never be a Freemason. All right. That's my thing. That's my slogan. Uh, Still many thought the anti-Masons were just a movement and not a political party. In an article, the Oswego Free Press said the anti-Masons were not the least bit interested in holding public office. Quote, they care not a copper. Okay. (laughs) All right. People will still say that in a couple hundred years, won't they? Absolutely. (laughs) What they actually wanted was to just get Freemasons who are currently in office, out of office. And once in power, they want to pass legislation to completely prohibit Freemasonry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Anti-Masons spread out uh, uh, to Vermont, Ohio, Massachusetts, and Maryland. Candidates popped up all over. Thurlow Weed was considered the leader. In, an, in the 1828 election, Anti-Masons were elected to state legislatures all over the country. The party was also the first third party in U.S. history to send candidates to Congress. Six anti-Mason members were elected to the House. Wow. The other two parties uh, were the Jacksonians and the anti-Jacksonians. Jesus Christ. So, well, (laughs) that is so, okay. It's kind of what we are now. I we, we completely are. Uh, the new president, Andrew Jackson, was a public Mason. Wow! This made the uh, this made the anti Masons an option for those who were opposed to Jackson. And instead of getting caught up in a bunch of policies, they could just say he was the leader of the Masonic conspiracy to destroy the country with this Freemason bullshit. Having Jackson in the White House was the perfect guy. Okay. Freemasons fought back in their own newspapers. The Wayne Sentinel said anti-Masonic leaders lacked morals and integrity. One paper said they had to fight, quote, the Hydra of anti-Masonry. Uh-huh. That's right. <laughs> it's a Hydra. That's right. Got to hey, cut off all its heads. Jimmy, can I ask you a question? Yeah. What the fuck's a Hydra? You know the thing the fire department uses to get the water? A hose? Yep. Yeah. Sorry, I'm having a different conversation. Do you, you, that's called a hose? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I gotta get one of those. What was your question? I don't remember. You should get a hose. They're awesome. Get a hose. Get a hose. Freemasons wrote articles explaining that many of the founding fathers were Freemasons and rubbed George Washington in their face. In 1830, the anti-Masons pushed to become a national party. They held a national convention in Philadelphia in, on September 11th. This is not because 9/11. they knew about 9 Yeah, they, this is not because they knew about 9/11 in the future. It was because that was the day William Morgan had been abducted. Yeah, that's but from okay, that makes sense. I did hear that before and I was like, hmm. Uh, but there were fractures in the party. Some realized to keep Jackson out of power, they would have to work with the Republicans, which meant compromise. Mm-hmm. But a lot of Republicans refused to denounce Freemasons, and some were actually Masons. Okay. Probably not the best team to work with. 
the hardcore anti-Masons couldn't accept that and refused to work with anyone who wouldn't denounce all Freemasons. That seems like a fair, yeah, that seems like a fair threshold. They, they, they thought Freemasons were completely un-American and were evil. Also, the name of the party is Free Anti, is, is Anti-Masons. Right. You've got to so stick with that. That would be the one thing you should stick with. You have to. It's your founding principle. But this led some in the party actually uh, taking a look at whether or not the party could be viable. Could the party actually govern if their sole belief was absolutely no working or compromising with Masons? So one of the reasons for this was because they were winning the battle against Freemasons. Tons of lodges had now closed. How could they be a threat if they were disappearing? Newspapers began to question the party's existence. So they're, they're actually beating Freemasons. Lodges are closing. So the more lodges close, the less anti-Masons right, are. You're not running on a problem any longer. Right. The 1830 convention ended without making any big decisions because they couldn't agree on anything. They only, uh, they couldn't settle on who to nominate as their presidential candidate. So they kicked that road down to December when they would have their national nominating convention. This was the first time a party had a nominating convention. Wow. The other parties would do the same, and now they still do it today. That's so, where it came from. Well, we, gotta, we should probably thank them because yes, they've really flourished. It's, it's really great. Yeah. Oh, the balloons. It's a really great way for companies to pay off parties. Sorry, what? Huh? Okay. Nothing. Thurlow Weed was trying to keep the party together as it broke into factions. He decided to publish a high-profile anti-Masonic newspaper out of New York to spread the message to the entire country. This was the way he keep the party focused. He founded the Albany Evening Journal. It was one of the most read papers in the country. But others began to accuse Weed of walking away from anti-Masonic ideology to help anti-Jackson people. Mm -hmm. So they're like, well, you're using the party to help guys who hate Jackson instead of just trying to get rid of Masons. Masons. Right. Uh, Members of his party accused Weed of, quote, guilty of a mean and base deception and deceiving the honest anti-Masonic yeomanry. Yeomanry? Yeah, it's, you know, we've talked about yeomanry before. Sure we have. Um, so they were basically saying that he was trying to get, uh, anti-Masonic people to back Masonic sympathizers. Right. So they're just saying anyone who's not vocally opposed to Masons is not, uh, is no work. It's not a workable non-Mason party. Yeah. yeah Cause yeah. the name of the party is the yes. anti-Masonic. Party. I completely agree with their logic. Uh, other hey guys, the this were- is a Mason. He wants in. No, we can't. No, no. <laughs> Others in the party were fine with politics, with politicians who weren't staunchly anti-Mason, because they just wanted to get rid of Andrew Jackson. All right. Who's ambivalent Mason? (laughs) Who's Mason neutral? A prominent New York politician said Andrew Jackson was a bigger threat to America than Masons, and that he'd actually voted for Masons over Jacksonian candidates. Oh, good. So, Weed keeps pushing on. At the 1931 nominating convention, he tried to find a presidential candidate everyone could agree on, and he landed on William Wirt of Virginia. Oh, former President William Wirt. That's right. He was very, very religious, and Thomas Jefferson considered him a political heir. 
Okay. Wirt said he was very much disappointed in America. Quote, disappointed most sadly in the intelligence and virtue which I had attributed to our countrymen. So he's saying people are actually stupid and <laughs> shits. That's crazy. Yeah, I can't imagine. He thought man's greed was ruining the country. Everyone just wanted to be everyone just wanted to be rich. This pursuit of money fit nicely with the hardcore anti-Masons views of Freemasons. Yeah. But there's a hiccup with Wirt. He at one time had been a Freemason. Okay. So that's just how hard are we looking? Are we looking hard enough? Should we be looking harder? And okay, he had so not. We found our guy. He's the guy. 100% he's the guy. This is the guy. This is the guy. This is the guy okay. that people are going to vote for. This is yeah. the guy. There is no so other one, guy. There's one problem. Yeah. Now, when you came into the convention, did you is see this, the, by the way, banner? This is the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's a, it says anti-Mason party. Goddamn right. right we are. Right? Fuck the Masons. Can't have that. And so around. this guy, this guy, the guy that you want uh, really badly. Yeah. So he was a Mason. He yes. used to be a Mason. Yes. 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 Yep. yep. Okay. But we're the anti-Mason party. Completely. So. Yes. Completely. Yeah. No, he's no longer a Mason. He stopped weeks ago. So we're, this guy's ready. Yeah. Now I will say <clears throat> all cards on the table. He's still aligned with a lot of the Mason's beliefs. Okay. But this, so, this, is the guy, yeah. this is the guy. This is a hundred percent the guy. This is the guy. We're literally, we're, our only thing is anti, anti-Freemason. That's Absolutely our only agree. thing. Yes, of course. That's the founding principle of this whole thing. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, so he can't be, so he can't be the guy. He is the guy. Yes. He's a hundred percent. This has to be the guy. Besides the past of Masonry and the slight still alignment, everything else falls into place with this guy. This is the guy. This is the guy. This is the guy. I'm 100% this the guy. Can I be totally honest? <sighs> yeah. He and I are active Masons. This is the guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, Wirt, uh, he also wouldn't publicly reject the Masons. And he then called the battle between Freemasons and anti-Masons, quote, a fitter subject for farce than tragedy. Hey, and hey, then Dickhole, can we talk to you off the stage? <laughs> and then he said he was saddened by the quote wild and bitter and unjust persecution against so harmless an institution as Freemasonry. What? And then he showed up with a Freemason T-shirt. <laughs> so the hardcore anti-Masonic people are horrified, but the anti-Mason party went ahead and picked Wirt, a former Mason who didn't seem to be upset with Masons as the anti-Mason candidate for president. Solid neutral candidate. Wirt went on to win Vermont and some scattered counties around the country. Overall, not much. So not only had they picked an ex-Mason to be the anti-Mason candidate, but anti-Mason fever was dying down as the trials wrapped up. There had been 20 trials, but now the statute of limitations was kicking in the lack of trials kept the evils of Freemasons out of the news and the Morgan affair had really uh, been the driving force, but that was now years ago. The symbolic threat of rich men and secret societies running the country was dissipating. 
Once work failed, the party was pretty much toast. A founder of the anti-Masonic movement wrote that it was completely different from what it had been in 1828. And if it was right then, it was absolutely wrong now. Intolerable ideas had become a part of the party platform. A year later, Weed would accept it. In 1833, the party won nothing. He wrote, quote, its leading object, namely to awaken and perpetuate a public sentiment against secret societies, had failed. The anti-Masonic movement was dead, but they had done damage to the Freemasons. All of the country lodges had shut down. In New York alone, the number of lodges went from 480 to 82. One anti-Mason estimate uh, said two-thirds of Freemasons' lodges were closed around the country. Freemasons went from 100,000 to just 40,000 in 10 years. Hmm. The anti-Jackson anti-Masons then teamed up with other anti-Jacksons and formed the Whig Party. Okay. All right. That one I know. They They wanted a national bank, a prison, and education reform and temperance. The Whigs became stronger as the anti-Masons folded, and then Weed went and began working for the Whigs. Politicians continued to speak out about how awful Masons were to get votes, and in 1836, in Pennsylvania, there was another flare-up of anti-Masonic anger with investigations and hearings. Out of that, one man was uh, elected into Congress. People in Massachusetts, Ohio, Vermont uh, would meet to discuss how to purge Freemasons from influence, but they were now seen as a fringe group. An anti-Mason politician had success. Millard Fillmore became president in 1850. Another anti-Mason became Lincoln's secretary of state. And Weed became a major political operative for the Whigs and then the Republicans, which most Whigs became. Uh, William Morgan's widow, Lucinda, moved west. There she met and married a guy named Joseph Smith, who was oh, the founder what? of the what? Church of what? Christ. What? You son Latter-day of a bitch. Day. What? <laughs> what? Wow. Think of that time ripple. Uh, if they hadn't taken – who knows? She might have been the one who was like, you know what? You should just go bury the goddamn place yourself. <laughs> we don't know. Think of that time ripple. Yeah. So anti-Masonry died, but Freemasons continued. It still exists today. After President Jackson, there were 11 Masonic presidents, including Theodore Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt, Harry Truman, and Gerald Ford. Wow. Many others are Freemasons today. Jesse Jackson, John Elway, Scotty Pippen, Michael Richards, Shaquille (laughs) O'Neal. What? I guarantee you they pulled Michael Richards aside. Hey, don't come to these anymore. Now he's trying to use his Mason credit to get up at the Laugh Factory. Hey, can I do a quick seven? Look, Michael, I'm a Mason, Michael. (laughs) Boy, that is crazy. Isn't it? It's crazy. It's because Masonry is one of those things. It's almost like the 12 monkeys symbol. Like once you're aware of the word Mason and what Masonry is, then you drive around. You're like, why are there so many Masonic temples? Yeah. Like it still is a thing. And I, in my, I've met a couple Masons and, like I've worked with a couple Masons and have been like taught, you know, and it's still some shady shit, obviously, <laughs> you know, it's still going because they're not like, Oh no, we just make punch. They're like, ah, yeah, I can't tell you though. <laughs> Isn't that weird. Yeah, it's weird. 
but it's also it's also a good story about why the two party system works, and we should not divert from it. That's right. Yeah, but the you know the problem is, and we all know it, is that both parties are owned by corporations. So that's it. Can you hear me? No, I can't hear you. You can't hear me. All right. Well, our uh, our podcast came to a conclusion when the Squadcast died on us. So I'll say goodbye to Gareth and from everybody here at the Dollop. Have a great evening. Uh, sorry about that. Technical difficulties. So the main source for this episode was American Hysteria, the untold story of mass political extremism in the United States by Andrew Burt. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army. To join me for, I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th. Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it let's see you there hey there people listening to the dollop uh this is gareth yes this same guy i listen i have a new podcast called we're here to help that i'm doing with my friend jake johnson it's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't but we try to help people with problems that are important to them you can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts and it is out right now so go listen to we're here to help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. 